Welcome to Between the Shelves. This is a special Star Wars Part 2 episode. We, uh, If you listened to the last episode, I'm joined again by Christina. Hello. Chuck. Hello there. And Tim. Hello. So let's get started. Um, I'm just curious, like, what was everyone's first introduction to Star Wars? Um, I'll, go, I'll go first, because I, I have a feeling Christina and I had a very similar story. So I was born in 89, and when The Phantom Menace was being made, they... Star Wars or whoever owned it at the time, Lucas re-released the original trilogy in theaters um, on the years leading up to episode one. So I'm not sure. So episode one came out in 99. So this must have been, I think they did one every year leading up to it. So the first, so A New Hope must have come out in theaters like 96 or 7. I want to say 97 because that would have been the 20th anniversary. And that was also a big deal because... That was when they started releasing the, the edited Lucas, the Lucas, Lucas cuts, cut, which was the beginning of my hatred for, for George Lucas. Go so on. Now we're starting to understand why you dislike episode one so much. Yeah. <laughs> no, but anyways, so they started re-releasing the, the movies in theaters and I was seven or eight around that time. So, I mean, this was like the biggest part of my life up to that point. I was so excited. And I remember the theater in, in Newport, Rhode Island, which no longer exists. It was in downtown Newport. It was the first time I'd ever seen like spotlights for a movie. I saw a line of people up the street waiting to get their tickets. Like this was all new. I'd never seen this before. And I was hyped beyond belief. My dad was a, a huge Star Wars fan, so he was excited. He, he brought us like very excited. We knew this was a big deal. So seeing... The original trilogy, uh, four, five, and six in theaters was a huge deal. Like it was a huge spectacle. I loved it. Did you, Christina? Did you have the same sort of experience? Um, I I did see them in theaters. I couldn't tell you what theater it was in. My guess is the UA in Quorum, which is now Apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember there being a lot of people when we went. I, as far as I remember, it was literally just me and my dad in the theaters. But the only reason he took me to see them in theaters is because up until that point, I had only been watching A New Hope on TNT. Like, they would just show it all the time. And I just remember, like, just watching it and every time it was on and being transfixed. And he was like, okay, well, there there are more of these. We don't have to keep just watching this one. We can see more. It was like, well, I don't, I don't know about that. This one seems fine yeah. on its own. <laughs> I'm getting my fill, thank you. Yeah. So then he took me to see all of them in theaters. Yeah. So like coinciding with the movies, I mean, I had the toys, obviously. Um, I don't know if any, I'd been playing any video games at that point, but I mean, I had the toys. And then in 1999, I remember all the marketing for episode one was like everywhere. Like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a poster or a toy or some kind of promotional thing for episode one. So I mean, I was peak hyped for episode one. I, I grew up behind a comic book shop. I don't know if I, any of you knew that, but I would go to the comic book shop every day and get the Star Wars episode one trading cards. So they had like a Magic the Gathering style card game. I had all of them and I, I was so obsessed with those cards. I remember we took a camping trip. It must have been in 99 before the movie came out. I took the cards with me. Like I had like a binder with all the cards. Like, on a camping trip, I just was staring at them. Yeah, so I was... When episode one came out, I just could not be more excited. So it really hit, like, at the exact right time for me. 
Same. I didn't have any toys, though. Not until after episode one. I had too many toys. <laughs> Way too many toys. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go. So I, uh, my birthday is May 4th, 1992. So I am the biggest fan by birthright. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until I was like five that I became acquainted with it because my Nana had a huge collection of Harrison Ford movies on VHS. She had a massive crush on him. <laughs> right and then so. That was right around the time that the Who special doesn't? editions. Yeah. The special editions came out, so she bought those, and I started watching them. And I have no memory of what that experience was like. All I know is that the A New Hope uh, version, that broke. And I only would watch Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. That's funny. And then that same room became the kids' playroom, and I had must have had hundreds. Power of the Force toys that whole collection that came out in the late 90s and then the phantom menace came out but yeah so yeah <laughs> then it all went wrong then it all went wrong yeah. um i was born in the early 80s so i have no memory except star wars like i really cannot could not say what because it was just the vhs tapes and i what i do remember is later in in my childhood of like let's say Middle school and high, even in high school, I would still consistently watch one episode every weekend, just for as long as I can remember. So that was, uh, and just I would just draw constantly, draw like the vehicles and all that, the starships and all that stuff. I just was obsessed with Star Wars as a kid. And then 1999 rolled around, and <laughs> well, actually, really. My the first because I'm I we were joking that I'm the cynic of the really the Star Wars cynic Chuck you're pretty close though with some of it but you're definitely way more invested in than I am, um, but I, I'm like kind of the Star Wars cynic mostly because of the special editions that came out that got started editing and tweaking and just ruining in my opinion perfect cuts of every movie, so that's where it kind of all. The cynicism began for me but um but those early days of star wars for me were the brand the the thing in my childhood that i was probably obsessed most with that's my star wars story yeah it kind of hit at like the worst time for you where you know all these things you grew up with and were part of your childhood now let's ruin it yeah now with all this other you're stuff. 16 17 18 years old where like you're already like hating the system and everything you know as teenagers are kind of angsty and everything like mm-hmm. then they start like changing your childhood yes and then they come out with this new that Star whole thing Wars of like that, george lucas yeah. ruined my childhood that was me but you know I, I can look back on it now and kind of kind of approach it a different way except for the fact that i would only want to show my daughter the original cuts of the trilogy so i was like no we have to watch this streaming where you can get like the 4k there's a 4k restoration of the original cut that's totally illegal basically but you can find it streaming online which i would recommend watching just as far as like seeing an original cut and how beautiful it looks when it's restored and how different it is from the special edition cuts yeah han shoots first did they show the special edition cuts when we saw them in theaters yes yeah that's what they released so we got like a little taste of Jar Jar before. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we got micro doses <laughs> of Jar Jar, so Jar-Jar. we were prepared for it. <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah. Is this awesome. when George Lucas walks in now? <laughs> <laughs> Meet Tim. We have a surprise for you, Tim. <laughs> this is when I storm off the podcast never to return. So 
so what what age did you introduce your daughter to? Seven, maybe six, maybe five actually, but she doesn't remember watching A New Hope. So really, last year when she was seven. Okay, I have a three-year-old, and I don't know when the right time is. I, Honestly, way you could show right New Hope probably right now. I think I was five. I five. That's, that's but you don't remember it. You just said that's the thing. No, I remember being introduced to it. I just don't remember. And I loved it immediately. Okay. I think at, at three, four, you could probably watch some of it, but your kid's probably not going to remember any of it just because there's so many other things that are probably will hit more that they'll want to rewatch, like shorter things. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard waiting because there's plenty of stuff that I like. I want to watch Indiana Jones with her, but I'm like, that ain't going to happen for a few more years. For me personally, that's what I, I feel like. It's a little too young to see people's heart getting ripped out of their Faces melting. Faces oh, yeah. melting, Nazis and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, you have to explain what a Nazi is. <laughs> They're just bad guys for an eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think being a kid is, the, is crucial to being introduced to it. I've met people yes, who have been introduced as adults, and they're just like, I, I liked it. But That's a really good point, though. I think you do, like, the magic of Star Wars is... You really have you, to be. You should be yeah. young when you're watching it. Yeah. That's... That actually, that thought occurred to me watching The Mandalorian season three. It kind of changed my perspective on it. Not that I'm saying it made it any better. It's I still don't like it. But it, I was thinking during season three, I'm like, you know what? This just isn't for me. Like this is for the next generation. This is onboarding the next generation of Star Wars fans. Or really, again, it's fan service for people that don't care. For people that have grown up with Star Wars and they're like, I don't want a whole lot from Star Wars. This is enough for me. Yeah, because that that's perfectly valid too. I just don't want to watch it, but there are, I think, plenty of people out there that do. So we ranked all the Star Wars movies and shows in the last episode. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of our non-movie and show favorite Star Wars things. Maybe non-canon things. Can it, who knows what's canon anymore? So everything that I've brought to this episode right now, they're all video games. So I didn't read any of the Star Wars books um but i played almost all of the games so i want to talk about four games really quickly and if anyone played any of them maybe you can contribute i'm going to go quick i know um so the first one i want to talk about is uh knights of the old republic did anyone play this it came out in 2001 i think i played like a third of it it's a long game i think i played a half an hour of it which does not speak to the quality of it i just don't think i was yeah i was playing it on my phone and then i got a new phone and it doesn't save the data over so that's this is a tough game to play on a phone yeah i was just gonna say that's um so i don't i don't think this game is canon anymore but um it's a role-playing game where it's one of the first role-playing games where your decisions in the world kind of affect the plot and how your character develops so you're a jedi but if you are you know uh, benevolent to some of the non-playable characters in the game you can get light side points i guess like i forget how they track it exactly or if you do evil wicked things to benefit yourself you can get dark side points and eventually like your character over the course of the game will kind of stray into you'll be a, a good jedi or you'll be a sith like evil jedi so your decisions not only affect you know how the plot unfolds but it also affects the kind of powers you can get too so if you go lean towards the good you get you know, healing and lightsabers, fighting skills, I guess. I forget exactly what they are. But if you go evil, you can shoot like lightning and be wicked and stuff. 
So it was a really great game. It came out in 2001, and I think it influenced a lot of role-playing games that came out afterwards. And another cool thing about it is it was set 4,000 years in the past before the Empire was established. So it had a completely different look than any other Star Wars thing that had come out to that point. So that had a, that was really uh, cool to see, like a different vision of what Star Wars could look like. So all of that was great. The characters were great. Um, and again, it had different endings based on how you played it. So of course, when I beat it, I went back and played it as an evil character so I could see the different ending. Um, so that was a really, really fun game. Uh, the other game I want to talk about is the Racer series, the pod racing game. The first one came out for N64, which was a blast. Um, the only I replayed it on Nintendo Switch recently, and it's a completely different game. Because on the N64 version, because you're going like 400 miles an hour, the N64 couldn't keep up with that. So your vision is only like 100 feet in front of you. Just, they just have this like artificial fog. So uh, the old Nintendo load. artificial fog. Yeah, it can't load the map fast enough because you're going so fast, which made the game very difficult. Like you have to make split second decisions because everything's coming at you at a like a very close range. That's what it's like to. Steer a, a yeah, it felt very real. Um, so the. The N64 one was a lot of fun. On the Switch, you can see the whole map right away, so the game becomes almost trivial at that point. But it's still a fun game. And they had a sequel come out for PS2. I don't know if anyone played that, but it's like a super crisp version of the original, but with more characters, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so I love pod racing. I already I love episode one. If you listen to the previous episode, you already know that. So pod racing, that's little Alex loved that back in the day. Um, Another one I want to mention is the Lego Star Wars games. Did anyone? Yeah, those are a lot of fun. They're so much fun. It's like the best couch co-op kind of game there is. Like anyone can play it, adults, kids. And those are the first Lego games that came out, I think. Am I wrong there? Because the Lego Lego series, they made a lot of games. Yeah, I think you're right. But I think the Star Wars games, that's where they first started. Yeah. Um, very funny very funny games yeah they're silly the characters uh speak in like a gobbledy i forget what the language is but they just like i can't even replicate it but they're just like mumble kind of to themselves in a silly way so yeah it's 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 just funny and they they kind of just do like a send-up of the whole Mm -hmm. series and it's just a really fun game it's just silly like when you die you're you fall apart into pieces like a lego character would um so it's just a really fun game and you can play it with like a kid and really easy to pick up there's like two buttons just a fun game uh, and then the last one and this is the one that i think christina and chuck i think played maybe no tim you played it too uh jedi fallen order uh, yes so this is this is the one video game that was so good they made it canon or or i think they're planning on making it canon yeah some of the characters probably pop up somewhere i think anything nowadays is considered canon yeah whatever canon. property comes out whatever they bought it yeah, yeah. Purchase, um purchase. so this game came out in like 2019 pretty yeah. pretty recently um it's just a super polished action game it looks beautiful um it's very difficult um it's it's just a really well-made game the writing's good the story's good it's just a very polished game i really really enjoyed it and the sequel is coming out today or this week. Long uh, anticipated Friday. It comes out Friday. Friday. So it'll be interesting to see what that's like. Did you finish anyone finish Fallen Order? Yes. Oh yeah. I'll finish it. It's a tough Several game. Times. Several times, yeah. yeah. I play it on story mode. 
Smart. <laughs> I should have done that. I tried it on all the difficulties. Uh, I think the ranking is actually Jedi Masters, the hardest difficulty, and that is a <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, it's just a really tight, tight game. I, I think it was just really well polished, well made, great game. Yeah, the ending's fun too. Yep. Spoiler alert, uh, a big baddie, sad boy, comes in and <laughs> comes in at the very end. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the games that stood out amongst all the, the Star Wars games that I played. So who wants to go next? Uh, so I've been thinking about this, and I, it was kind of an easy decision on just where... I, I've, I was a big book reader in the... I still am, but in the 90s, mid-90s is when the first books came out. And it was the perfect time for me because I was probably 16 at the time when Heir to the Empire came out by Timothy Zahn. And that series blew my mind because I was just watching just the movies. That was it. You had the movies and nothing else, except for maybe the holiday special, but we don't talk about that. And, you didn't rank that. Well, <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> um, so... The, those books came out at the perfect time for me and lots of people because there's a lot. Now you're seeing 20, 30 years later, the people that are actually in charge of the Disney, the whole franchise, Disney and, and a lot of the creatives are going back to that well of these original books because there's so many good characters in these books. It's the originating, original uh, version of who's the... Thrawn. Thrawn, yeah, Admiral Thrawn. And... Those books, along with the Rogue Squadron books, of which I think there were at least 12 to 6, I ate those books up. And then there were the books on what happened to Luke and and, and Han and Leia. And th- those stories of just continuing, which was just really something that was eye-opening to me of just like how they could just expand this universe before that was really a thing. Before the, you know, that was really... That was it. You have these movies and then you just have this universe of stories that you can tell, which kind of makes it frustrating now when they just keep going back to the same things over and over. And there's no new creativity in Star Wars now where like you see one droid and I guess these droids are everywhere in the entire universe and there are no droids that exist anywhere else because they just use the same droids over and over. But but it was just uh, this well of creativity back then that writers could just do whatever they wanted and... No one really cared. George Lucas, I don't think he was watching over it all that much. It was just, here's the property, write, fill in wherever you want, whenever you want. And it was great. I love the any of those books from the mid-90s to the maybe early aughts. Those are fantastic for me. Uh, and then the as far as video games, I do have some, some thoughts about video games. And these go back, again, kind of the same time period. But there was a PC game called Dark Forces which had a main character now so it's this basically a han solo-esque character without it being han solo and it was a first person shooter very kind of primitive graphics because it was from 1995 but it told a good story and you got to do some fun things in this story and that, that was very enjoyable and then rogue squadron again i just like the rogue squadron I, it's just that's for me i guess and that was on gamecube a oh, great the, the sequel was on GameCube. What was the first? The original one was on N64. N64 yeah. Okay, so those two games, and there was a third one too. I think they did three. It was Battle for Naboo. Same idea, but it was a different era. Great games though. Uh, lots of fun. Just little shooter games. 
Rogue Squadron shooter games. So those two things, those games from that era and the books from that era are just perfect for me. Nice. Those are fantastic. I just have uh, one. I kind of mentioned it in the previous episode. Um, I There was a book called Kenobi by uh, John Jackson Miller. Um, I was trying to think of my own logline to kind of like simplify and explain it, but I'm just, I just took the one right off the book. A widowed shopkeeper, her family business, and her kids are caught in tensions between fellow farmers and a tribe of Tuscan raiders when the conflict accidentally draws in an enigmatic stranger known only to locals as Ben. This book has nothing to do with the show Kenobi, and thank God it doesn't. <laughs> but um, if you liked the the first couple of episodes of that Mandalorian episode where the Tuscans and the villagers mm-hmm. are all helping each other out, if you liked the idea of, of exploring Kenobi's time um, on Tatooine and like his emotional side and thinking about Anakin and Qui Gon and like his relationship with him and how he comes to learn about being Force Ghost and all that stuff, that's all this book is about. It's a much simpler story. It's a much quieter story. It has nothing to do with Darth Vader. Like there is no out people from beyond Tatooine getting involved in the conflict. Um, I think it is the best Star Wars book out there. It sounds really. Interesting. It's a really Actually, good I kind of want to read that now. It's and a very good one. It existed. The characters are really good too. All the other secondary characters who are never mentioned ever again, and yeah, just a perfect mm. book. So that's my sole recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Christina. So I have a couple of books from the more modern book canon that I really enjoyed. The first one is Bloodline by Claudia Gray. So it's about, it, this takes place before Force Awakens and it's Leia as a senator in the New Republic Senate. It's just like a lot of like political intrigue and it sort of sets up the Force Awakens or a lot of things that like happen wow. in the book. By way of C-SPAN? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's very good. So much political intrigue. And that same author actually wrote like a, a prequel book about Leia, about her time as a teen on Alderaan. It's just called Leia, Princess of Alderaan. (laughs) And uh, she's 16 in the book, and she's just sort of like being a 16-year-old, trying to fulfill her duties as a princess of Alderaan. But she notices that like her parents are always like up to something. So she starts to investigate and realizes that they're involved in the rebellion. And it also introduces like Haldo. Like Haldo is one of Leia's best friends in this book. So oh, like this came out before The Last Jedi. So it doesn't like... That's really interesting. Yeah. Because she's... She's kind of out of nowhere in yeah, The she's Last at, Jedi. And, yeah. 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 And Leia's like, no, I trust her intrinsically. And you're like, why? Who is she? Who is she? <laughs> Established in again, this book. Yeah, that's another thing of where you're kind of expected to know some characters. Yes. There's... Absorbing other material. Yeah. in they did a also a Padme trilogy, just sort of filling in all of the places. Padme is around, but we don't necessarily know what she's doing. That's by uh, E.K. Johnston. So they came out all out of order. So like one of them is like the time in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. One of them is during, I think, between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, because she and Anakin are married, but nobody knows except maybe Obi-Wan does know. And they're really fun. And the author makes a point to describe every single outfit that Padme wears. That's why you and love this. I, in these books, there, one of them takes place during um, like the Siege of Naboo. 
And it references things that happen in the movie, but doesn't like explain them. Mm-hmm. It just sort of like hand waves it around, like, "Well, you've you've seen the movie, so like you don't need me to tell you what's going on." I would on. hope so if you're reading these books. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, well, maybe I haven't seen the movies in a few years, and like maybe I don't know this exact scene you're referring to. So there's like a lot of that in those books, and then. Master and Apprentice, also by Claudia Gray, is about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon when Obi-Wan is a Padawan. It's just like their developing relationship, which is fun to sort of see how that comes to be. And like you're in Qui-Gon's head a lot, which I feel like you're not in the prequels ever. And like other characters will sort of like make references to like how he was. Like, I think they tell Obi-Wan, like, oh, you've got Qui-Gon's, like, rebellious streak in you. And you're like, okay, well, I've seen him do one rebellious thing. He bought a boy once. Like, what? (laughs) He bought a boy. (laughs) It's a good alternate title for (laughs) episode one. Um, And then the the other book that I would recommend is Brotherhood, which takes place in between... It takes place during the Clone Wars. And, like, the entire premise of this book is in like revenge of the sith Mm -hmm. someone makes like an off-handed oh i think it's that business on cato de moidia doesn't count yeah that one sentence they turned into an entire book and it takes place concurrently with one of the padme books so the two authors like consulted to make sure that like all of padme's outfits were accurate in the one book and it also gives a little bit more of like anakin and, and padme's like relationship so you do get to see them i think as like a couple more than they develop it in the movies but there are very like there are cringy things that still happen like anakin freezes his padawan braid in carbonite and gives it to padme as a gift oh, <laughs> oh wow i wish i never knew that it's so romantic i also wish i never knew that which is why i share it with everybody <laughs> But otherwise, it's another book that's kind of like a lot of political intrigue. Hmm. It's just Obi-Wan investigating something, and Anakin's not supposed to be helping. He's supposed to be doing something else. And Anakin's like, mm, no, I'll, I'll do what I want. Boring I'm go. Jedi stuff. Yeah. Jedi training. <laughs> that's funny. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I've prepared a game for Christina and Chuck. Tim had to leave, unfortunately. But uh, you two are the lucky contestants in our game. This is where the fun begins. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we are back. Uh, I'm really excited about this game. I actually came up with it on my lunch break today. So this, not a lot of thought went into this. Oh no. But I'm, I'm excited all the same. Uh, so the game is called Know Your Pod Racer. What we're gonna do? No, hold on. <laughs> it's fun. You both have an equal chance of winning this. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is I'm going to name two character names. One of them is a pod racer in canon, a canon pod racer in Star Wars. The other is another canon character who um, is a Cantina Denison from Episode Four. In the entire canon, or just like Phantom Menace? But like are you... entire canon, okay. so including the video game. Okay, that doesn't do anything for me because I know zero. I was gonna say they probably mentioned like three. In the... <laughs> okay, so I have eleven here, so it's an odd number. So we can have a winner. All right. Unless we both get zero. And then I'm the winner for, the for winner. knowing all of them. All right, here we go. Christina, 
Ariel Chosus and Odie Mandrell. I'm going to say Odie Mandrell. That's correct. Odie Mandrell is the pod racer. Ariel Chosus is the werewolf dude from the cantina. All right, Chuck. Gascano or Cabe? Gascano is the pod racer. Gascano is the pod racer. My favorite pod racer. He's the racer. one that slams the thing, right? And goes flying everywhere. No, that's Ben Quagineros. Gotcha. Don't bring his name up before later. Uh, he's not on here. Okay, never mind. I thought that was too easy. I thought it was tricky. Because he's the one of the ones that were actually named. Uh, Gascano is the one who has the really, really long neck in the green pod racer. He's my favorite. Oh, yeah. Now you know. Okay. Christina. Moma Nadon or Dud Bolt? I'm going to say Dud Bolt. Dud Bolt is a pod racer. You're right. Moma Nadon is the alien in the cantina who has like the swoop head. Yeah. Looks kind of like a stingray, I guess. There's no mouth. Chuck. Muftak or Aldar Bido? Aldar Bido. Aldar Bido is the pod racer. Muftak is the guy that looks like the abominable snowman who has like the anteater mouth. That's like a tube mm. from the cantina. Mm -hmm. Okay. Christina. Boshek or Mars Guo? Mars Guo? Mars Guo is the pod racer. See, you're better at this than you thought. It's Bo just really going by vibes. Like, which of these yeah, right. vibes there is the pod racing? There's something about Phantom Menace names, names that sound Phantom Menace -y. Yeah, we're on to something here. <laughs> um, Boshek is in the cantina. He is the human pilot that looks kind of like a rebel. Okay. Okay. Chuck. These are all real characters, like in the movie. I yeah. believe it. Okay. Chuck. Timto Pigalese or Bando Baba? I'm sorry, Pando Baba. The first one. I don't even. Timto Pigalese is a pod racer. Those both sounded very phantom menacing. Yeah. yeah. Pando Baba is actually the guy who gets his arm cut off, who has the butt mouth. I was going to say, that name sounded more familiar, so I was like, <laughs> so I definitely don't think that's from Phantom Menace. Okay, Christina. Juan Sandage or Danik Jericho? Derek Janico. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Juan Sandage is the pod racer. Danik Jericho is uh, the cantina dweller who's smoking that really long pipe. <laughs> of course, obviously. How could I, could, I confuse this? It looks like a hookah so, sword. I thought Jericho was the one also. Yeah. Okay, back to Chuck. Clegg Holdfast or Labria? I'm going to say Labria. Incorrect. <clears throat> Clegg Holdfast is the pod racer. Labria is the guy who looks like the devil with the red face and horns. What number are we on? Uh, we are on, don't worry, this is number nine. We're almost done. Okay, <laughs> okay Christina. Dice Ibagon or Akko Nine Bar? Hmm. I'm going to go with Dice. Incorrect. Hmm. Dice Ibagon is the disgusting worm snake creature that has like a very quick scene in the cantina. All right, back to Chuck. Let's just say it's tied. It's coming down to the end here. <laughs> Rats Tyrell or Ketwol? Tyrell. Tyrell is the pod racer. Ketwol is the elephant. That's an elephant. There's an, a guy with an elephant head in the cantina. Christina. Mahonic or Hemdazon? Hmm. Mahonic. Mahonic is the pod racer. Hem Dazon is the guy who has like the Y-shaped head with two glowing eyes. He gets a very quick shot where he's in a shadow. Oh, I didn't say who Cabe was. Back Gascano versus Cabe. Yeah. Cabe is like the little tiny guy who reaches up to the bar to get the beer. He looks kind of like has like a bat face, but he's like yeah, a walk like body. Yeah, pig nose and stuff, maybe. Kind yeah, of. He, yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah, I remember him. All right, that was my game. All right, who <laughs> won and what did what did they win? Christina, you won top nerd. 
<laughs> Top Star Wars pod racer nerd. You get two tickets to the Boonta Eve Classic. Oh my god. <laughs> I would have given you my tickets. If I was, so. Yeah, I was going go. no matter what. You have to provide your own transportation. <laughs> Alright, that's all we got. Wow. We wrapped up Star Wars. We'll have we to... solved Star Wars. We solved Star Wars. Now no one has to consult or watch Star Wars ever again. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah.